to go. No time for love. We've got company. Hey. Hey, Bambi. Hey. You want to know something? Okay. I'm famous for grabbing priceless relics and items of important historical significance. But that's not how I pay the bills. <laughs> I gotta come clean. Truth is, I'm a pool shark. A hustler. Watch me fleece this biker who totally isn't gonna break my brittle bones. For a hundred dollars. So, welcome everyone to No Time for Love, Dr. Jones, where we follow the fictional adventures of Dr. Henry Walton Jones Jr. as he bounces off real world history and important figures. I am your host, Jamie Chambers, and this is my sister, Bambi. Hello. If you're listening to our voices now, you are one of our beloved $5 or more subscribers on ChainsawHistory.com. Thank you. You make us feel like a lusty Italian opera composer, making us feel what it is to be alive. I have nothing for that. I've been listening to a lot of like Italians over the yeah, last I, like, 48 I, hours. I'm sure you have. And I've been to Italy. So I know. So what talk about today really hit me in the, in it the hit feels. in the feelings. Okay. Maybe not the way the episode wanted to. but <laughs> So for anyone who wants to follow along with us on our little adventures of the life of Indiana Jones, you can find them on YouTube. There's a channel called Young Indie Restored at least until the Walt Disney Corporation finds out about it. Even though they don't seem to care enough about young Indiana Jones, because once again, it's not on Disney+. Plus. It's like you have to pay money and, and work at it if you even want to see this shit. Yeah, the, well, they're trying to actually, you know, bury it, because yeah, I, it's kind of terrible. Yeah, I saw, um, there was, apparently there, there was literally uh, in development... Like following this new Indiana Jones movie that's coming out this year, they were going to do a TV series where they were going to recast Indiana Jones and just do a TV show adventures, which personally I have no problem with. But I think they got so spooked by how <laughs> horrible Solo did for, for Star Wars at the box office that the idea of recasting Harrison Ford ever again is, is, is the Walt <laughs> Disney Corporation is like, no. And Harrison Ford is himself has gone on record as saying he thinks that with him being done, they just need to hang up Indy's hat now and just yeah. let it be done. But I don't know. Like I said, we're already talking about all these. We have, we have many Indiana's Jones already. And we're going to be getting into one of them again today. Your favorite. Oh, he is so not my favorite. Although I, at least in this episode, I had a lot of sympathy for yeah. Indy. <laughs> yeah. The, this he one, was just, he's just a kid. This one, this, one's not, this one's not an adventure. This one's not. Yeah. This is a whole different thing. Uh, today's episode is titled Florence, May 1908. Also known as your mom's a hoe, bro. It's it's not really an Indiana Jones who has an adventure this week. The adventure is had by Mrs. Anna Jones. Oh yeah, we didn't even know she had a first name until this yeah, episode. Yeah, now we she gets a whole lot. She gets her to enjoy herself some Italian sausage this episode. <laughs> yeah, well you know she's married to an abuser. Due uh, to a stiff, terrifying, wound up Scotsman. Oh God, yeah. Ooh. The fiery Italian man. So we're going to get to him. Uh, okay. So it's sometime after our fun with child slavery in Morocco. Because, like I said, all the, the, the timeline of when these when they originally intended these to take place and then when they, like, put them out don't match up. So, like, it's, it's kind of bouncing all over the place. So let's just turn... Not think too hard about how he how fast they got from Morocco to Italy. And then they're gonna reference going to Paris at the end of this, but that's also not what happens next. So just 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 don't worry about it. Um so now the Jones family is going to Italy. 
Dr. Jones Sr. is giving a boring lecture in Rome, and the rest of the family wisely decides to stay in Florence, uh, which happens to be Jamie Chambers' favorite city on planet Earth. I have been there three times for, I, I could explore Florence for months. Um, and holy shit, in this episode, the photography is gorgeous, and it really takes advantage of how beautiful Tuscany is and how gorgeous Florence is. They go to Pisa for a little bit. Yeah, the cinematography in this one was also very, very good. The best thing possible probably about this show, especially, sorry, kid, but for the young <laughs> days. So, yeah, it's, it's been 15 years since I've been back to Florence, and I really, really miss it, uh, especially after watching this. This whole thing gave me just this absolute... just deep nostalgia and longing to, to go back to Italy. Um, so probably worth noting that while it's only our third episode in the chronological adventures of Indiana Jones, this was the very last episode shot with Corey Carrier playing little Henry. So this was it for him. This was in his little free trip to, to Florence <laughs> was his last stint. And um, yeah, he only did seven episodes in total. Um, so we're already like almost halfway through his run. So we don't have to suffer through these episodes much longer. Like I said, at least in this one, he seemed like a normal kid. Yeah. Of all of the episodes so far, this, this episode, is the one where... It didn't ask too much of him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, he so yeah, he only did seven. And apparently they had, a, they had another seven episodes, like the stories planned and broken out and everything. But uh, those were completely scrapped. I did check. Uh, Courier Carrier is now 42 years old. <laughs> and I found him on Twitter. Uh, he stopped acting after playing this part. So I think this is basically it. This episode it represents the end of his, his film and television career. And he was like, I guess, around 13 when he actually shot this. Maybe a little bit younger. Um, I, I know he did voiceover. He did some voiceovers and reshoots for the DVDs. But it, so I guess that's not true. But basically, this was he stopped after being young Indiana Jones. And this was the last full episode he, he uh, shot. So anyway, um, so Corey, uh, on his uh, social media account, he is really into basketball. Uh, he is also, a, and related to that, he's a fellow podcaster. He's apparently part of like a basketball podcast. Okay. So there you go. Good for you, dude. So shout out to Corey. We give you shit. We talk crap. But in all seriousness, like, you know, nothing but respect. I mean, yeah. He was a kid actor. Yeah, he got paid to go hang out in awesome places and and literally gets to be part of the history of Indiana Jones. So, so And as long as nothing terrible happened to him, you know, during his time acting, which apparently that's a problem sometimes. Sometimes. Don't know. Don't know anything about this guy other than that brief little, little tidbit. So, huh, cool. Good for yeah. you, buddy. Hope you, yeah. yeah. Hope and, your and time it, was was well spent and not horrific. And it's also weird that he's like just a few years younger than us. Yeah, no, he's like older than our baby sister. Yeah. Older than my wife. All right. Lots of people are older than your wife. Oof. <laughs> I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. In this section, we talk about the plot and major story points of the episode, such as they are. So we begin in a random dive bar in the 1990s. Yeah, it was the most random thing. Just jarring. And apparently old Indiana Jones likes to go for, you know, drinking at noon. <laughs> and hustling. Because he's just hanging there. He's just hanging out there. And you see this, uh, like, ab- like Amazon biker mama is, is shooting pool. 
and being good at it. Yeah, yeah. She beats some random asshole, and you can tell. Again, it looks like her and her boyfriend, who's like this just big, hairy, dumb guy. They're hustling people at the bar, and and Indy's just over there drinking. Um, and Sue's so like, "Any more takers? You all afraid to take on a woman?" It was very cringy. You this old timer. This whole scene was so cringy. And and, and 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 when you juxtapose it to the actual like main episode, it just just doesn't go it at is all. Jarring. None of it makes any sense. It's so funny. Um, so he's like, "You old timer, how about you?" And he suggests a hundred dollar bet, just right off the bat. Didn't even try to work him up to it. And old Indy is like all about it. He's like, steep, "Okay, steep, but a challenge." So they rack up for a game of nine ball, and then Indy performs a damn near like perfect break and sinks a few balls. Yeah, and then he runs the table. Yeah, Paul. and in the meantime, he's he starts telling this this young woman a story. Yeah, yeah. The biker mama asks, and yeah, and he she asks, and he starts telling. Never give old Indy an excuse because all she asked was literally, how did you make, can you show me how to do that shot was kind of what she was really going for. And instead she literally, what she gets is that comes from a thorough understanding of physics, which of course is all the excuse Indy needs to begin a long winded story about the time his father was on a world lecture tour and brought his family to Florence. Yeah. And this is, and that's where the story turns. So it's like, (laughs) So we're starting with pool hustling in a dive bar, and then we're talking about physics, and then we're going to talk about the story that we're about to get into. So what the fuck? Any of these things have to do with each other. These writers, I hope the drugs were excellent in the writers' They had to have been. Because we just go, like, this is just non-sequitur shit. So we're going to go to a very different kind of story. So so as he goes, he, he talks about how his dad's on the lecture tour. They go to Florence. He goes, a city where everyone was in love with someone. Or maybe just in love with love. Extra creepy. <laughs> the architecture was breathtaking, built to honor man and God. Yeah. That's what he said. And he and he's not wrong because like the, in the yeah. oh, it, as he, it dissolves over several shots of just like priceless artwork and sculpture and just the beauty of the buildings. I mean, like I said, Florence, you cannot it just you walk in any random patch of that city and it is just something that will take your breath away. And they, they get some really good shots in this show. I'm yeah. incredibly biased. So, like, I've been to many of the places that were featured in this episode. Um, like, I've wandered the streets of Florence. I've been to Pisa. And, yeah, I, I really want to, like, I should have been drinking a bottle of Chianti. I want to go. I you will. really must. I, I will eventually. I haven't done nearly it's, it's as much. On my, it's on my list. I haven't done nearly as much travel, international travel as I would like to do, but uh, I have been to Italy several times. So Old Indy's monologue about the beauty of Italian art just kind of keeps on going for, for a minute until we see a statue that I don't recognize, but it shows an angel holding a, like a woman who's like collapsing backwards and the angel's cupping her breast. Yep. And then it pans down to little Indy being quite interested in this <laughs> image. He's like, some consider me an angel. <laughs> I mean, he sees a lot of na- naked artwork uh, for the probably oh, for the yeah. first time in his life because he's raised by these two prudes. Like his mother never shows even much of her neck. Like <laughs> like she wears these high collared shit and she wears these hats. Like, well, that was oh, it was what? a kind of like, period appropriate fashion and for especially for you know a woman you know married a woman married woman you know, American middle class theoretically. But like I said, it's like they are way upper so, middle class. But like I said, you, you think of that, and then you think that they that in that little Henry's first 
international trip was to all these like very repressive Middle Eastern type places where there's not a lot of female flesh on display. And then suddenly he's just looking at titties <laughs> everywhere. Little Henry's getting titties, <laughs> titties in the paintings, titties in the statues. Yeah, well, and then all the other shit that's going on. Yes. And now we're going to get to that. So Henry's quite impressed and he goes, but their most passionate love of all was the opera. And there we get to what we're going to be getting into. So we see the Jones family going up the stairs at the opera house and a rich old Italian lady, well, actually the rich old Italian host, he's saying that they must stay as, the Jones family must stay as guests at their mansion. And she was like, no, I want my own space. And they're like, lady no, we insist. Yeah, they were like, we will not take no for an answer. And There's you know, a lot of that in this episode. So, so much of that. Even though... I will say, having spent a lot of time with Italians, that is not inaccurate. They are very, <laughs> they are very emotional, and they're very sort of pushy with their emotions and what they want. But that is done with with love and generosity. You just have to kind of get used to this. Boundaries don't exist so much for Italians, like the way they do for Americans, especially. They're just some key cultural differences. Yeah, well, and I mean, especially in this time period, I don't see it having changed much. Having yeah, but at there. least people have changed. Society has <laughs> little, changed. Little bit, yeah. This little button-up bitch had no fucking idea. So yeah, so she insi- so the old lady, you know, teaches Henry to say my first opera in Italian, La mia prima opera. And then we cut to box seats where the Joneses and Ms. Seymour are watching La Boheme. And so we're we're watching sort of reaction shots to the music. And by the way, um not only lots of scenes of the opera themselves, but most of the score of this episode is actually from Puccini operas. Like there's very little original score. They just kind of pull and and kind of remix some of Puccini's greatest hits to be the background of this whole story. Um, so so we're seeing all these reaction shots to the music and, and you see Anna, Mrs. Jones, and she's like deeply moved, like to tear. She holds her husband's hand and is feeling super romantic uh, you know, as things are going on, and we see Doctor Jones looks completely like stone faced. He's got a yeah. Mount, he literally gives no fucks. Mount Rushmore look in his face. It's like, oh yeah, she's on the opera. And uh, yeah, he like handed her a tissue or a handkerchief yeah. or whatever, and was like, Meh. wipe away your lady tears. And then you see, and little Henry closes his eyes slowly, and I'm honestly not sure whether the 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 show is trying to tell us he was like like his mother, or he's just like falling asleep because he's <laughs> bored, because he's this hyperactive little ADHD kid. And now they're like, eh, this is a fucking opera. Um, it could have been a little bit of A, a little bit of column B. He's enjoying the music, but he's also lulled. I think they're trying to tell us that he was deeply moved. But it didn't, but it really, didn't come, come across look that like way. He was on Prozac. Um, <laughs> and then we see the conductor, who's this swarthy, mustachioed Italian with big, expressive, dark eyes. And by the way, spoiler alert, that's Puccini. That is our historical figure of the day. And I will say they got a guy who looks quite a bit like the, the photographs of Puccini. Okay. Yeah. Looked like the dude and probably, you know, did, probably acted quite a bit like the dude too, at least in terms of like how Pacini is known. Um, so so Henry asks this week's, week's leading question while they're in the middle of the opera. He goes, Mother, do people really fall in love that quick? And what is your reaction to that question? Uh, uh, yeah, I- ish. Ish. 
Henry is correctly told to shut the fuck up in yeah, when a theater much. performance is going on. Um, the music and the singing swell, and we see the conductor is just as swept up in the emotion as the audience. Anna Jones cries at the tragic death of Mimi on stage uh, at the end of La Boheme. The theater erupts in applause, and the handsome conductor takes a bow. Uh, so backstage, the rich Italian lady is trying to talk the conductor into going out to party with them. But he's got like a cold rag over his eyes. He's like, no, I am too tired. And he like, the weird part of this part there is like, there are two Italians speaking to each other in Italy. In English. But they're speaking in, in English with thick Italian accents instead. Which they don't do through the rest of the episode. Like, there's plenty of times they speak in Italian. But it's awkwardly written in this scene. Like, he has his eyes covered. Why would he even know to speak English? No, anyway, it's stupid. It's it's called bad writing. Um, but the but yeah, he ta- slowly, he takes the cloth off his eyes, and then he sees Mrs. He Jones. He sees. And then all of a sudden, he is super up to party. Mrs. Jones and me. That was terrible. Um, you should be ashamed. <laughs> I am ashamed. I'm ashamed for all of this. Yeah, so the old lady is like, your excuse is unacceptable, maestro. Allow me to introduce Mrs. Anna Jones of New Jersey, America. And that's when, like you said, you, she, he had this moment and literally all his vision is just filled with this this lovely blonde this lovely woman. face completely draped head to toe in cloth. And, you know, it's like, I, you know, to their credit, like they, they didn't cast like a supermodel beautiful woman to be Anna Jones. She's pretty. She's very she's pretty. She's pretty and she's this very sort of very soft. soft woman. As soft is the perfect word for her. Her voice is soft. Her Everything about her is soft. Yeah, she's like a flower petal. And it's like you think of that and then you think of this stuffy academic and real, and then realize that these are the parents of one of the most grizzled, hard-ass people ever to hit the screen. It's so weird. Um, so, yes. But you can see, I mean, at least in that frame... You can see where he. You no, know, he he opens up his eyes. He, he sees does. this beautiful. He he sees Mrs. Anna Jones and spurring. Uh, he is no longer tired. You could call uh, Mr. Puccini horned up. <laughs> yeah, he he was he was down after that. He was like, oh, you want to go out and drink and smoke and cavort uh, with a nine year old? <laughs> uh, let us do these. Yeah, he had no fucking problems, like. Being right around little little so, Henry Jones, so they go out to they go out to some uh, bar where it looks like a lot of the performers are drinking and they're all hanging out and drinking a bunch of Chianti. And this is you know probably two o'clock in the morning. And Henry asks the dude who's been checking out his mom all night. He's like, "Did you write that opera?" "Yes." This, of course, is Giacomo Puccini. And Henry's like, "Yeah, your 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 opera made my mom cry." And uh, yeah, he took a little Henry and he was like, you're my wingman now, dude. He's like, you're going to help me. <laughs> so I want to tap. <laughs> I want to tap your mom. That's so wrong. So we get a long shot of Anna Jones, like staring at the Italian musician. And she might as well have been like biting her lip and crossing and uncrossing her legs. Like both these people are so horny. Yeah, except ba- for she was. a very horny episode. To her credit, though, she was trying to get her husband to be horny for her. Yeah. And he was not having it. Nope. He gave no fucks. No, he is a fucking just stiff ass board. Um, so, yes, yeah, she, she confesses that. Was uh, he even at the party? Yeah, I mean, I don't, he, was, he was there. I think. Yeah, he was oh, there, yeah, he did. He, was he there, had he a. He was stand, sitting ramrod oh, he, straight and sipping That's his wine. right, because he came over and threw his arm around him. Mm-hmm. No, because he was Puccini was like yeah, just buttering around. up the whole family. 
And um, he's like, I shall take care of your wife for you while you're gone. <laughs> yeah, we're about to get to that. So yeah, she confesses that the music did indeed make her cry. And Puccini says, then you understand great love. So little Henry helpfully explains to the horny composer that they're going to be in Florence for the whole week while his dad is totally gone. Giving, because his dad's giving another boring lecture in Rome. That's, that is a wise choice, uh, Puccini declares. Uh, he's like, and, and the whole time he is pouring everybody just massive glasses of Chianti. Well, like even when they object, but once again, Italians do not give a shit about your <laughs> objections, your personal boundaries. And he's like, nope. I'm getting everybody drunk tonight. He goes, so he's like, that is a wise choice. Florence breathes art and culture. Rome sweats trying to keep up. Which is another very Italian thing to do, which is to shit on the other neighboring Italian cities. Okay. Uh, like, for example, like Puccini even mentions in this episode, he's from the town of Lucca, which is the Italian town I've yes. spent the most time in in my life. And, um, and. I thought about you when you, they said that. The I was people like, of Lucca. The people of Lucca talk more sh- shit about the people from Pisa, which is 20 miles away, more than anything else in the world. It's so funny. That, like, there's certain like Italian things. So like Puccini getting a dig on Rome is very on brand. Um, and I've been to both Rome and, uh, and Florence, and I agree with him. Fuck Rome in comparison. Like, you should go, but if you have to choose, Florence is, is so much better. Uh, and Anna is just staring at Puccini. He's like, he's a very spicy meatball. But then she looks at her husband. She's she like, does. Well, please, please show some personality yes. or anything. Please love me. Um, so Henry explains he'll be spending his week learning the laws of physics, which is supposed to explain why in 84 years he associates playing pool with this trip to Italy where his mother got her groove back. <laughs> it's really rough. Um so uh, Puccini works on getting Ms. Seymour drunk and suggestible too. So he like pours her more wine. He goes, Miss Seymour, in Italy, too much is barely enough. You're in my country. You must let me show you the way. So he insists on escorting the family to Pisa the next day so that Henry can perform physics experiments. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'll take care of your wife for you while you're gone. Yes. He specifically says, because I wrote this down, the exact quote, Professor Jones, I'm offering my services to your family. I'm the happy owner of a touring motor, motor car. I would gladly show them to Pisa tomorrow. A guided tour. Okay, and again, he seemed to up and up, except for you know he's except not. his intentions are not honorable. Not, not even I, a little bit. So he's literally got his arm around this dude. He's like, I'm going to fuck I'm, your wife. <laughs> and hopefully steal her away from you. And your son, because I'm a great man. Um, and so he, he, he says that he's not busy tomorrow because he's searching for inspiration for his next opera. This is such a weird episode. Yeah, it I is. just, it, I, I can't express that enough. How fucking weird this episode yeah, And this is. is, this is like, this is may, maybe our one time where, where, where Indy's mom is the main character. Cause she's truly, she's the, she is the main character of this story. Although I did find it funny that this, in this episode, they had more fun as a family because yeah, cause, cause cause Dr. Dr. Jones, Jones was, was not there. Yeah, the, the they, everyone seemed to be having a super grand time because they were like, dad's not here. We don't have to worry about him beating mm-hmm. us tonight. Um, so yeah, back the, at the whole mood of this episode yeah. is so much lighter than the other one. Except, yeah. So uh, back at the rich Italian mansion, Miss Seymour is ruthlessly attending to Henry's physics lessons, ordering him to write down everything she says and repeat it. And you see Anna literally, because they're setting up, they've got this whole like 
suite with its own sitting room and everything in the mansion. And so she literally like puts a picture of her and her husband up and caresses it lovingly, like as if she's trying to remind herself that that I'm a married woman. I shouldn't be masturbating to fantasies about an Italian's mustache tickling my thighs. Oh, that's so wrong. Eh. She's feeling a little guilty, so she's like, "Yes, I am married, oh, married, married." Please stop! Please stop! I will do anything if you stop. So gross. Anna gets her husband out the door. He's like running late for his cab and she presses a flower into his book. She's so fucking sweet. This she one. is. This woman's just a soft little flower mm-hmm. petal of a, of a creature. Yeah. She just wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. Poor they, thing. They kiss goodbye and then Dr. Jones, Junior, take good care of your mother. And and he doesn't say it, but he's like, don't worry, Dad. I think Mr. Puccini is going to take real good care of Mom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was like packing his stuff and... Yep. Being the lovely wife. And this is the one time he doesn't drag her along to like attend to him and to make sure he didn't like, tr- like, because he doesn't seem to be able to tie his own shoelaces most of the time. Yeah. How did he give up his well, right arm? You get at least for the moment the, the understanding of why it, Henry didn't have any respect for his dad until he was like in his 30s and his dad was old. Um, so anyway, um, the writers keep trying to make the physics lessons and the romantic storylines like complementary. So they try to have lines of the physics lessons sort of thematically go with what's going on in the romantic storyline, but it's very ham-fisted and very bad. This, it was this not well needed, done at all. Needed a few extra drafts before they went to shooting this one, but they spent all their money on the lo- the beautiful location shooting instead of uh, a better team of writers. The moment Doctor Jones is in a cab, Henry is writing down. The farther an object is away, the harder it is for the force to affect them. And now that Dr. Jones is going away, his influence on his wife also goes away. <laughs> and suddenly she she starts being quite as well behaved. So we get a lingering shot of Anna um, trying on various oversized hats. <laughs> like, which of these three hats is the perfect hat for today? And she finally goes with one that's like covered in blue ribbons and she sticks in this hat pin that could easily be a murder weapon. Well, I mean, that is how you wore hats. You had big hair. Yeah. I mean, otherwise your hat's going to fly off when you're driving a a car down a dirt road. And these women had long hair that they pinned up. Yep. Which is crazy. Yeah. I'm sure when you took that down, it was like down to past her thighs. Mm Mm-hmm. But we never see that, at least not even in this episode. You never really get to see her with her, with literally with her hair down. Yeah, no, she was buttoned up the whole time. So yeah, we we got Puccini driving like a maniac down an Italian dirt road um, with Miss Seymour, um, Anna, and little Henry. But they were all so happy for like the first oh, they're ha- time. They're, they're having an absolute fucking blast. They're riding down the car. Puccini's like swerving down and, and laughing like a fucking lunatic, uh, and. And they're like, not only do seatbelts not even exist yet. Yeah, Henry's just he, standing Henry's up. standing in the car. They're swaying back and forth. This is, we're all going to die. Great. He's holding onto his neck like they're riding like, a horse. Like the, the, this would be such a crime in the <laughs> modern world. But it's like, oh. He covered his eyes at yeah, one point. Yeah, he's, he's like, mamma mia. Literally says that. Um, and then he's like, Henry, who do you think of first, in first thought of the self-propelled car? And Henry gives the very American answer. Henry Ford. Fuck Henry Ford! <laughs> it was Leonardo da Vinci in the 1500s. And he's like, he, because he, of course, Italians, mm-hmm. also very on brand, how fucking proud of being Italian they are. So he talks about, he's like, Italians are dreamers. They, t- they are innovators because they are dreamers. They take the time to dream the impossible. And they sing. And then he starts singing, take me out to the ball game to patronize his American 
friends. And they and they fell for hook, line, yep. and sinker even while Ms. they all gloriously sing. Yeah, even Miss Seymour is about to take me out to the board game. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Mrs. Seymour actually, like, she's shown in this episode, no. too. Honestly, Miss Seymour grows on you in this episode because she seems like such a prissy old bitch, but she shows a lot of humanity and empathy in this. Yeah, this episode. and you know, and it's like she was she's like a stiff kind of school matron, but at the same time, she starts to loosen the fuck up. Well, they've been she's been traveling with his family now mm-hmm. for for you know at least six seven months, so and she's already known dr jones since he was a kid yeah and this is the episode henry learns a third language yeah yeah we already saw him getting his first Mm -hmm. little italian uh lessons at the very beginning at the opera so yeah we go so we get gorgeous establishing shots of the leaning tower of pisa and you see henry splashing his mother's dress in muddy puddles like peppa fucking pig (laughs) but unlike uh dr jones senior who would have been furious she's like oh henry use little scamp Oh, stop it. Um, and so then hyperactive Henry's running up and down the, the tower stairs while Miss Seymour shuffles her dry old bones up to the top. Like, she seems to have slowed down a little bit from when we saw her, like, just flying up the pyramids. Yeah. But, you know, it's been a few months and her arthritis might be kicking in. Well, and also she was drinking too much last night. Yeah, so she's hung over as fuck and she's like, oh, God, oh, I got to climb these stairs. This kid who's literally running around because he's like this ball of manic energy. So they can do the most fucking stupidly dangerous thing I can think of. <laughs> so in addition to history, we get some science class today, kids. Miss mm-hmm. Seymour takes out two irons, one that is much bigger and heavier than the other. And Henry makes the erroneous assumption that if they drop them both at the same time, the heavier one will land first. That's what Aristotle taught, explains Miss Seymour, but Galileo thought otherwise. So then they do the... They recreate Galileo's famous experiment where he drops off, uses the the leaning tower to make it easy to drop, mm-hmm. even though he flings them, which makes it not as useful. Yeah. You're supposed to drop them exactly, exactly at the, the same, same time, time yeah. point, whatever. It's No, but he just fucking flings because them. He's I'm a, surprised he's, that he didn't hit someone. No, yeah, he nearly kills his mother and her new boyfriend. <laughs> like, yeah, and they were like only a little, like a few feet away, and yeah, they were the, like, oh. Look, it landed at the same time. Hooray. Yep. So they learn that objects of the same density fall at the same rate regardless of their total mass. So yay physics. And that's why. And that's (laughs) why he can shoot some fucking bull. So Puccini and Anna get to know each other better. And we learn she's from Virginia. So we actually get an actual detail about this woman. Um, Not New Jersey. Yeah. And Puccini, that's when he tells Mm -hmm. that he grew up in Lucca which was only 20 miles away from where they, where they at in, in Pisa. Um, and he said that he had walked to Pisa as a young man to see his first opera, which inspired his career choice for life. And his father had died when he was five, and his mother had sacrificed for his music lessons. But then she died before he became successful. So, and then he gives one hell of a quote. An artist is a man who looks at beauty through a pair of looking glasses, which, as he breathes, becomes clouded over. He takes off his handkerchief and cleans his glasses. He sees clearly again, but with the first breath, the absolute beauty is failed again. It is only the approximation that which we can create. Art is elusive. It is not like the beauty of a woman. 
unquote. And he's like staring at her like he could just make her dress explode off her body while he gives this like deep ass quote about art. And she, and she just drank it up. Oh, she is. She might be a little moist at this point. Ew. Stop with the sex references. It's so gross. Yeah. But don't worry. Little little uh little Captain C block saves the day and interrupts their their moment. Oh yeah. Henry is he is definitely Mr. Cockblock in this episode. I mean, for reals. Yeah, which, you know, in this case, fair enough. That is his fucking Yeah, that's his mom. fucking mom. Get your fucking hands off my mom, you creepy fuck. Even though at this point Henry is Henry not, still Henry doesn't know that, that Puccini's up to no good. He's still he's at still this a point, fan. neither does Miss Seymour. Yeah. They're both like, okay, it's and, been and when, a great day. And, and we so s- far at the moment, we're still okay. Yeah, we're we're looking at some more All art. we're seeing is the longing looks. <laughs> And is is this where they saw the statue of David? Because uh, no, no, that, that that's was at back the beginning. In, that's back in Florence. No, they they see it later, but it's oh, okay. back in Florence. Because I know, I know that exactly what that said. That's not the actual David, but that's there. That there is a recreation uh, that was done and set out right in front of the museum. I've seen that exact statue in person myself. Um, but anyway, uh, but, but at the moment they're still in Pisa. And like I said, so far, like I said, we're just seeing these looks like, okay, these people are into each other, but they're all behaving. It's just a nice day. Um, and then Puccini whines that his wife is a total bitch and that <laughs> conflict just ruined his ability to create music. Um, so now they keep their distance from each other and his adult son tries to keep the peace between the estranged couple. Um, so now we, we cut back to the mansion in Florence and Henry is getting yet another physics lesson when a when. All of the flowers in Florence mm. arrive. And that's what she said. She was like, these are for you. She's like, and then she's like, who is them? She's like, card. <laughs> um, and it's funny, as the flowers arrive, uh, suddenly Miss Seymour. Oh, wait, I suddenly. Suddenly Seymour. You should be ashamed of yep. that, too. Um, she re- so like she springs up out of her seat, like like her spidey sense suddenly hits for the first time. She's like, something's up. That is, you do not send that amount of flowers. Yeah, they were. It was a big display. And it's then, a big display. And the card reads to my beautiful Signora Anna from your admirer Puccini. So she mom quickly lies and says they're for everyone. She sure does. She's like. <laughs> She does not want everybody hipped that that he just bought an hour. I mean, that would that would be ridiculous even obscene, if she was single. An obscene amount of flowers. But again, it is the Italian way to over fucking do it. Yeah, giving no fucks that this woman has a family. Her son's right there. And like yes, like you right said. Right there. He was trying to use him. As you know, a little wingman, but ends up being his his doesn't, doesn't work his, out. No, but Anna, when Anna did the He's lie, a doorstop. <laughs> when Anna made the lie that it was all for all of them, like you just said, uh, Miss Seymour is like, how very Italian. Next, we cut to Puccini um, at an opera rehearsal, just screaming at uh, the actor, the like actress a on stage. Yeah, I was like, give me passion, give me love. You know nothing of suffering, but you will. <laughs> And and like the woman has like a she's uh, dressed as a geisha, so you see yeah, this, is it's Madame Madame Butter- this is Madame Butterfly. This is Madame Butterfly, the the one and only opera I think I know anything about. I'm still confused. Like if this is all supposed to be within a week, like he was conducting La Boheme, rehearsing for this, and then he like leaves two days later. Like what the fuck is going on? Operas yeah. take months, but it's just trying to 
like the show is just trying to run through some Pacini greatest hits. And yeah. Like because La Boheme and Madame Butterfly uh, are his, like his two top tier most well known works. Um, so anyway, this, this poor woman has a nervous breakdown and runs off the stage crying because Calling her boss him a sucks. Head. Yeah. Saying some very unkind things in Italian. Um, so then, uh, and you see that that the Joneses minus Dr. Jones, who's still in Rome, um, are up there watching the rehearsal. And so Pacini comes up there and asks Miss Seymour, like, what she thinks of unrequited love. And she very pointedly says, it has its place in romantic novels and operas. Like, fiction, motherfucker. Yeah, fiction. You need to behave yourself. Those flowers, I'm on to you. Um, and then Puccini... And Henry's right there. Yeah. And, and Puccini um, tells Henry... Uh, they have this talk about like if he likes music and he's like yeah I had, piano, I had a piano teacher who sucked and then he's like yeah I had, a, I had a music teacher who sucked too like you know kicked me if I ever hit a wrong note but then my mother got me uh, a great teacher and then now here I am so he's like he's trying to suck up to Miss Seymour by saying he literally says I mean, like having the right teacher will make you know makes all the difference and so I was like yes Miss Seymour see I am good guy <laughs> And she's yeah. like, nobody, I'm on to you. Um, so, so and, and then he's like, Anna, why are you so quiet? And and she's like, Madam Butterfly is such a sad story and the music is haunting. So to score more points, he runs over to the score right off of his little stand and he grabs a page and he signs it and gives it to Anna. So she will own a piece of, of Madam Butterfly. Which is really sweet and really romantic his, and also really <laughs> inappropriate, especially right yeah. in front of her kid. But okay, cool. So that night, Mama Jones is tucking little Henry into bed. He's like looking at the piece of music and he's like, oh, this looks weird. But she's trying she to- She scratch it. She's explaining, yeah, the music. And he's like, how the notes follow each other. It's a language all by itself. It can make you feel things. And she starts to sing, uh, you know, a little bit of an aria from Madame Butterfly. Then we cut to a montage of lovely scenes of Puccini spending time with uh, with Anna and Henry, both together and separately. He's mm-hmm. just we, we, he's clearly spending several days hanging out with the with, with the, the fam. fam, and we get a bunch more of those breathtaking. Like there's one point, there's this they're they're like looking out from a hillside over the Tuscan mm-hmm. countryside at magic hour, and it's just like one of the most like gorgeous things you've ever seen. But we only can see it through a weird grainy lens. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, then another, then we dissolve to just the breathtaking architecture of Florence. I say breathtaking a lot because it is breathtaking. Um, and <laughs> that's when Puccini makes his first movie. He just slides his, he goes for the the arm around the waist, uh, you know, mo- maneuver on Anna, and she and she rejects that shit. Hundred percent. I will give this woman credit because she puts up quite a resistance. Like she does not send mixed signals. She literally says, "Please don't." And. And of course, he does not don't. This begins what I would call the Pepe Le Pew portion of the episode, <laughs> where he does not take no for an answer. He's not leaving yeah, this woman no. alone. It's very cringy. Doesn't it's... think about what he's going to do to her family, even if, regardless of anything else. He is, he is a selfish bastard. Yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. And he explains, I mean, and he literally chases her down a flight of stairs and almost makes a scene. To the point where Henry noticed. Yeah, and, and the whole time while he's chasing her, he's he's like, "You've brought you know, you brought life you. and art and music back to my soul. Like, like it would be a sin for them to ignore what God has brought together." Because of course, you know his horniness is a his. Uh, his you can't m- see me rolling my eyes, but his I'm horniness rolling my is eyes. all because of God. You see, um, 
And she is clear. She's like, I am married. She is not on board with any of this. And yeah, my kid's right there, dude. So she tells everybody that she's not feeling well and they need to go home. And, and the next morning, you see Mrs. Jones not eating at breakfast. And she's disappointed that Dr. Jones did not respond to her recent letter and has not written them while he's gone. But she's like, oh, yeah, but I know he's really busy. But she's like, I really, really need my husband to. Mm-hmm. I need affection <laughs> right now, damn it. Because so. I've got a horny Italian who I'm very massively attracted to. And he's like, all getting under my skin with all this art and music. And he beauty. will not leave her alone. So she decides. She's wearing me down, dude. Where's the letter? Come on, give me something. And so, you know, Mrs. Seymour tries to save her when she was mm-hmm. like, lessons, Henry. And then they were, she was like, no, let's spend some time. Yep. We're still hanging out. We're still a family. Yep. So the three of them go sightseeing. Mm-hmm. They're like, because you know, Anna already shut down because Henry's like, maybe we can go riding around in Mr. Martini's like, car. She's like, nope. no. And then that's when Miss Seymour's like, let's do lessons. And then Anna's like, no, how about we just go have a good time, just the three of us. Um, and so they do. And they do. Um, and, and so the, the family's doing tour shit. They visit, they visit the Basilica de Santa Croce, which I have been to. Um, it is where, uh, many famous Italians find their, it's like the, one of the most honored places, uh, like a famous Italian can be, especially for like the arts. It is where Dante Alighieri's empty tomb resides. Like to this day, Florence is fighting the place where he died to get his body back. But they're like, no, you banished him. So fuck you. So he has an empty tomb with muses weeping over it in the Basilica, along with like, um, I was at the tomb of um, uh, Marconi, the inventor of the radio Ugh. is uh, is buried there along with a bunch of famous like, uh, um, I'm gonna bumble it. I'm not don't have notes on that. But anyway, a bunch of famous Italians, uh, including another <laughs> opera composer like Rossini uh, is buried in the Basilica. So they're, they're in this beautiful uh place checking out all the art and sculpture and and tombs and we see puccini totally stalking mrs jones yeah it got real weird real quick yeah i was worried that it was gonna get like even darker because at first like she was not into it like yeah she, she, she wasn't into it at all other other i mean she, you saw the look in her eyes like she was very moved interested but she like but she was very clear. She had no intentions of doing anything. And he kept, like, at this point, he's stalking her from the fucking shadows and trying to grab her. Um, yeah, and she was like, nah, dude, the whole time. Yeah, and then finally, that's when when Henry starts seeing, he's like, oh, wh- what's Mr. Puccini doing here? Why does mom look so upset as they're having this argument uh, from there? And Miss Seymour tries to drag Henry away. And that's when Henry stops being so cool with Mr. Puccini because he's like, I don't know what's going on, but my mom is not happy. I don't yeah. like anybody making my mom cry. Yeah. He's like, my mom's having feelings and they need to stop. Like, Puccini's lucky he died in the 20s because if Indiana Jones had run into him later in the, in the fucking 30s, he was just like, I think I owe you some. I think I owe you some An Indiana Jones style ass kicking. Um, so Anna tells uh, tells the dude, she's like, you have to stop. And he just keeps pushing. And in typical dude fashion, it's still all about him. He's like, you you make me alive. You bring me music. It's all about me, me, me. Uh, yeah, and she was... And she's like, leave me alone. I mean, she says it very clear. But... But pushy dudes be pushy dudes. Pushy dudes. And, and Puccini tells her that he'll be waiting for her in the gardens that night. He names it, but I don't remember which garden it was. Um, 
So we go to Henry getting a physics lesson where he's rubbing his hands together, which is just so suggestive and weird with the rest of this episode. Um, And Anna's like, I'm going to go out for a walk. Yeah, that's the ticket. I won't be gone long. I'll be gone 10 minutes top. See you soon. But just in case I'm not, put Henry to bed. (laughs) (laughs) And then, boom, she's right there and goes to Puccini. And we see them spend... A magical evening together. We see them kissing. Um, they go out and do all the stuff. And we see them some flowers. kissing and buying flowers and walking around. And he while that goes while, backstage yeah. to Madame Butterfly. Now the episode makes it all look very chaste, but I don't believe that. I'm convinced these two people fucked. That was the whole <laughs> reason she snuck out. It's it's very possible. It's also possible she didn't. It, but could, it, was it could go either very, way. Either way, either way, she was certainly not behaving herself. It. Yeah. She she let herself go at this point. She's like, I'm you, this woman. You clearly having been stuck for a decade <laughs> with fucking Doctor Jones. Yeah, she wanted some romance, emotional. Like even if it's not straight up abuse, it's neglect. <laughs> a man who barely cracks a smile versus a, this expressive Italian who just tells her she's a goddess and that he is nothing without her. I mean, you can sort of uh, yeah. you can sympathize <laughs> with poor Anna here. Yeah, and when you know she's gonna be dead in a few years, I'm like, I hope she, I hope <laughs> she got railed by that that swarthy Italian. Ah, uh, poor little Henry. So she comes back later that night, long after Henry goes to bed. And then is busted by Miss Seymour. Yeah, Miss Seymour's waiting up for her. Oh, you went out a long time, did you? And so Miss Seymour tries to be a little coy, but but mm-hmm. is trying to to guide this younger woman who's, who's, who's clearly having a rough time. She's like, she's like, Florence is, you know, a romantic and beautiful city, but we will be leaving with yeah. the family soon. Right, Mrs. Jones? Jones? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, of course. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, so the next day, Miss Seymour and Henry are uh, have gone off to Galileo's telescope because we're still on the Galileo. Yep, bits. we're in the museum for science. And Anna is supposedly off shopping, <laughs> air quotes. Yeah, shopping. And then he goes and he looks through the telescope. And what does he find? He his, sees his mom his and Puccini. Mom. Having some tea or whatever. Having some tea and at one point uh, 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 sharing a rather intimate embrace. They don't, I don't mm-hmm. think they kiss it where he can see, but he sees them like hugging in a way that's very um, clearly not cool. And little Henry has a fucking fit at this point. He's like, he storms out of the museum. He's like, one day I'm going to be able to kick the shit out of people like this. But right now I'm nine. Fuck. Um, so he impotently just storms yeah. off, fucking yeah. And so then, uh, where we we see uh, this is where the hen- this is where the sympathy for little Henry Jones at this point comes in because yeah. you can just see the fucking rage. Yeah, he is not cool with this, and then later he's gonna literally have his heart broken for at least an hour. Um, <laughs> so at the cafe, you see Puccini and Anna there, and finally he's like. For some reason, he has to leave for Milan. Milan, not Mulan. Milan. Uh, they have <laughs> to leave. A different, that's a different movie. Very different movie. <laughs> they have to leave for Milan that night, and he's like, and, and asks Anna to come with him. Um, and yeah, yes, he wants he wants this woman to abandon her husband and nine year old son to fuck off with a guy she'd met just a, met a few days ago because he loves her. 
He goes, I love you. I don't want to live without you. With you by my side, I can create again. Don't break my heart. And she's like, this is moving too fast. And then wait, <laughs> she's like, excuse me, excuse me. And she just takes off like crying. I mean, infidelity was one thing. But completely yeah, fucking like, abandoning her family is like, a totally different thing. She's like, I thought this was a this was eat, supposed an to be eat fun. fuck and eat fuck love situation. <laughs> yeah. And then I go back to my family, not uh, not literally me just suddenly changing my life and whole thing. Yeah. And so so he insists, but he has total faith in the work that he is. He is a romantic through and through. Um so that night, Henry gives his mother a dose of guilt where he's like, oh, uh, you know, were you shopping? She's like, yeah, I bought a scarf. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I saw you with Mr. Puccini. Funny about that. <laughs> she was like, oh, I, I ran into him. Yeah. Funny, funny. Funny coincidence, that. And then it's followed up by a scene um, with Miss Seymour really showing off that she actually is a, a very uh, empathetic and kind person deep down beneath her British prissiness because she doesn't she could and honestly is in a position to very harshly judge and come down on Anna yeah especially because that's you know Dr. Jones is her boy it's her boy and her boss yeah but at this point she feels like she's part of this family and she has she knows what a stiff dick he is you know she you can tell she has a lot of empathy and so Anna and and but she so she just kind of patiently reminds her of her responsibilities and her reactions and, and Anna's all flustered and doesn't know how to feel and so she just confides everything and says yeah he's asked me to run away with him and little Henry is eavesdropping the whole time and now finds out his mother is at least considering ditching him forever to be with to, this to be, other to dude to be with this opera composer can you imagine it's like his mother his one solace the one fucking person who like loves him and pays attention to him. Yep. And so there's this moment where he thinks, "Oh shit, my mom is going my mom's gonna to leave fucking me. bail." And so you see him, and he does not want anyone to know he found this out. So he runs back into bed and throws the covers over his head and is probably sobbing his little Henry eyes out. I just don't know that Corey Carrier could have really carried you know, that. So they I, just they just went with the covers over the head, which is probably a wise and choice. that's fine because I mean. You really feel like he was, I, I mean, of all of the acting in this, he actually, he gave it all. Yeah. And this was his last full episode. So he had, this was after he'd warmed up with the character quite a bit before he shot this. So anyway, uh, we're cu we cut to the train station. So we're past this sweeping shot of a, a big steam locomotive and you see the Ferenza sign, which is the Italian name for Florence. Um, and you and you see Anna Jones standing there in her full dress, the steam washing over her, and you see Puccini. And she's walking she's briskly. Walking, she's walking, and Puccini calls out to her, holding flowers in his hands, Anna, Anna. And she walks right past him, doesn't yep. even give him a look. Well, she does for a second. She kind of turns halfway, and then that's the moment where Dr. Jones steps off the train. And she throws him, herself into his arms. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, Anna, what a nice surprise. And she kisses him and says how much she missed him. Yep. And, she's and like, she can't wait to get home to bang him. She's like, let's always be together. Let's not, please don't leave don't me alone Don't leave again. me alone. You have no idea how horny I am. <laughs> Apparently, he really, really loves this woman, too, because he was just like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he was, but he was just sort of pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Oh, that's very nice. My wife met me at a train station. That's very kind of her, yes. Mm -hmm. And he's going to go home and... Yes, I don't gonna... have to beat her until next week. <laughs> going to go home and 
and yeah, take care of that. Yeah. So so they kiss, uh, and you see the the legendary uh, Italian opera heart composer heartbreaks as he turns and goes to his train to go off to Milan. And Alone. then they show the abandoned flowers on the train station. So the voiceover from Old Indy tells us that things can get off track, but can return back to their original course. As both of Henry's little parents visited him in bed, so you see him waking up to both of his parents. He realized, oh, cool, my mom didn't abandon me. Hooray. My family's still together. Hooray. Everything's fine now. We're just going to, and then they were like, we're going to go to France. And he was like, sweet. So then we dissolve back to the bar in the 1990s where the biker mama has absolute just tears streaking down her face from from the the beautiful story that this old fossil told her mm-hmm. while he's been kicking her ass at a game of nine ball. Yep. And she asks, did she ever see him again? Meaning, did Anna ever mm-hmm. see Puccini again? And the answer was, the answer I was, don't think so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but he, yeah, especially considering we know that this woman died between ages like 11 and 16. Yeah. But he did write an opera, um... La Fucilia del West, or like it was like the golden, uh, the golden woman of the West, or the golden girl of the West. Uh, was the title. It was a love triangle story set in the California gold rush. And according to Old Indy, which an American woman of the Old West gives up her home and friends for the man she loves. Yeah, he had to write that. It's so fiction, he had to write dude. the fictional version of what because Puccini was forever carrying the torch for Mrs. Anna Jones. And then at that exact moment, old Indy fucks up and scratches the ball. And then mm-hmm. he just looks up and goes, you're shot, Mimi. The end. That was the baffling place and, in the Yeah, and it's like he didn't even win. I think I understand what they're going for because I'm a, I'm a nerd and I get to show off my English degree. But we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But that's the episode. That was the cringy fucking weird ass episode. What are your thoughts on it as a story itself before we move on? The story itself was fucking really weird and really terrible and really cringy. No, I didn't look up the dates. Um, I am convinced that whoever wrote this episode was heavily inspired by the movie The Bridges of Madison County starring Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood. Because that was a story of a a married woman married to Mm -hmm. a... To a stiff, I, I know like a nice enough guy, but just boring and not romantic. And Clint Eastwood played a photographer who came into town to take these pictures of the bridges, the covered mm-hmm. bridges. And he and Meryl Streep have this love affair. But in the end, she chooses her husband and her family over running away. Yeah, and so like, I, I, like, I'm an adult. So this feels like they were trying to do kind of an homage to that story, but this time set with... A historical figure and it and, fell flat and, and trying shit. to turn into indy's mom <laughs> into like this romantic tragic heroine or whatever uh, i don't know i thought no it was it was weird it didn't it didn't land it with was, me well honestly like i thought the guy who played puccini did was great like he, he his, his performance was fine um, and, well, and, and, and I thought all the performances performance, were fine. Even young Indy, he was his fine. performance was fine. Everything, it was fine. They, they the writing, right. was yeah, just the, the writing, bad. the writing was not great. Um, but I like that was, you know, what they were going for. All right, so now we're ready to move on to our next segment. That belongs in a museum. This is where we go over the historical figures, lessons, and artifacts featured in this episode. And even though there aren't any historical artifacts, it was a shitload of art and sculpture there was and so architecture. Much art. I I did love when they showed Indy staring at the statue of David and they only showed his face. Yeah. 
They showed him literally staring up, and then it was like the face shot. Which is hilarious, considering which in the is real hilarious. world. Because in David, the real world, the, I can't believe that they're full of A teacher up. was fired for showing, showing the statue of David. One of the most famous, priceless, and incredible works of art ever created by man. Which again, and then it turned into another Simpsons episode. It's yeah. it's no, really the thing. bad. It was a joke when the Simpsons did, did it. it. And it's like, here we are in real life. And so that is funny. But, but you know, they, as you can see, young Indiana Jones, they didn't protect his little nine-year-old eyes. He saw all the titties and he saw David's weenus. And mm-hmm. It was fine. We didn't get to see it on TV, though. No, but we did see the titties mm-hmm. because marble titties are fine on television. Yep. Well, and it was a hand covering the titty. No, but I mean, they, they're, they're, you could see some statues with breasts in there it was fine it was so fine, anyway but, yeah, but that they was did, they did not show but there was no yeah but yeah we're, we're definitely not in a there's not a piece of treasure this episode <laughs> the treasure was anna jones's heart now one thing uh featured like the, the music we started with, with and was this was la boheme one of puccini's most famous operas and uh if you are a modern fan of uh, musicals you might have seen rent which is just a modern reinterpretation of La Boheme and honestly kind of how I thought that weird the weird way it ended just like kind of in the middle of him just like you're shot Mimi well Mimi was a character both in La Boheme and in Rent okay she was the chick who died at the end of La Boheme but did not die at the end of Rent okay and and and, and also La Boheme sort of famously a story that doesn't really have a plot <laughs> it just kind of follows these these young people who live in an apartment and just shit happens, but there's no real there's no real like like even though it has a death at the end, but it like the death wasn't a tragedy because it wasn't because of anything they did. It was just life. And, and so it was like it just sort of like it just life, it just sort it of happens. Cause that was part of um Puccini's he one of his like things he brought to uh, to opera was that was the realism style. The idea that we're gonna try to just recreate life and then portray it to music. And but try to, to to get to real life. So La Boheme was supposed to be the example of this is just some shit that happened to some young people, and then one of them died. That character was Mimi, and that was they made the biker mama chick Mimi. Mimi. So I think that was kind of a, a thing they were going for, and the and and kind of a nod to how how La Boheme just sort of ends. <laughs> the episode just sort of ends. So I guess it's like they were trying to tie this all together. But that's going to fly over the audience's not... head a lot. They did not set that up properly. Yeah, no. Like I'd... the only reason I could come up with that is because I literally you researched I was researching it and thinking about it. What, what the fuck. So in the episode, we see uh, Puccini personally conducting the performance of La Boheme, which actually very rarely would you see the composer actually conducting. I mean, they did that a lot for, you know, for things like Amadeus and um, Immortal Beloved, where they always want to show the composers yeah, conducting. But most of the time, they're not the composer. They had a professional conductor yeah. would would deal with that. And they're just, hell, they're not even at every performance because <laughs> they're the dudes who made it, racked it up. But so, but of course, that's, you know, typical dramatic license to see him personally doing every single fucking job, even though, even though he, he would have, have. He, would have, he would have been leading a large team of people just to handle the stage directions and handling the act, like him doing everything is yeah, that's not it how it silly. really works. But whatever, it's fine. Um, one interesting little uh, piece of apocrypha was that the U.S. copyright for "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" had only just been registered in May second, nineteen oh eight. It was a brand new song. Literally, it was supposed to have just happened in America. So they, the Joneses would have already left America before they would have even heard this song, <laughs> much less Puccini. Um, the first performance was by a chick named Nora Bays um, in nineteen oh eight, um, and. 
Yeah, it was after June 15th. So it's like, it was like them saying it was total bullshit. The song basically didn't exist. And Puccini definitely wouldn't have known it at this point. And neither would the family. So that is cute. It's but cute. But... Couldn't have happened. And historical inaccuracies. Oh, yeah. Then, like I already said, Anna tells Miss Seymour the family's going to go on to, to Paris. Um, because originally the next episode was supposed to be uh, Paris, September 1908. But it was originally supposed to be in July. So now we're going to be going somewhere else before we go to Paris. Okay. Do we, do we ever make it to Paris? Yes, we will be We will be going to Paris. Okay. We'll go to Paris, but not yet. But not yet because, once again, they, they didn't get Well, and in, I guess the order. way they're trying to, like, it, this is old Indy and he's telling the story of his life. Yeah, and probably getting all the details parts. wrong. And that's yeah. if this is the real Indiana Jones and not just some lunatic. I'm convinced it might be a lunatic. Just making up some shit as he goes along. Yeah, he doesn't look or sound anything like no. him. He's a guy who's... This is like if Mad-Eye Moody came out into the fucking real world, was like undercover trying to look for fucking... Right. It's, yeah, for dark wizards and bars and museums and shit. So La Fichula del West, the, the girl of the Golden West, was indeed a three-act opera. Uh, probably one of the the last bigger hits of Puccini. He had kind of a, a career decline that lasted for a while after this point. Uh, and actually premiered in New York City. But yeah, it's it's this love, love story that literally has a happy couple riding off into the sunrise on a real horse on stage at the end of the opera. Nice. Uh, there's some interesting little, little tidbits. I don't have notes for them, but I'll try to remember uh, about Puccini himself. Uh... One thing, the, the some of the stories about him that he told in this episode did line up. Uh, he was from Lucca. He and his brother did walk to uh, to Pisa to see their first opera, and that was what really inspired him to actually want to to compose opera. Or actually, it was his friend, not his brother. But uh, what they didn't talk about was how Puccini was from this like musical dynasty in the town of Lucca, where like. His grandfather and father had both held this musical position at the local church. Like they had this like very specific job that was like it had become hereditary at this point. And the, everybody just assumed like his dad died when he was five, but they assumed he was just going to slide into that role. And that's why his mom was like invested in his musical training. But he did not want that job. And he kind of resisted it and kind of bounced back and forth. But then when he got inspired to do opera, that's when he like went all in on the music thing. And... Uh, and did all that. Um, he did have an estranged, very bad marriage. Uh, gone back and forth. It included a bunch of public uh, humiliation because Puccini was a horny, constantly cheating bastard. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's on track. Although Indy's saintly mother. Yeah. So there was one story that actually had, would if this was real, it would have taken place not like only the next year. But apparently at one point when Puccini had gone home for a while, um, his wife became convinced that he'd been having an affair with a very young maid in the house. And this, and then, and so this woman was like harassing this teenage girl and like, and publicly humiliating her and threatening her. And, yeah. like, caused all these problems, and this girl killed herself. Oh, yikes. And then they did a medical exam that uh, where they, uh, in their opinion, she was a virgin. <laughs> so this woman harassed this teenager to, to death, death 
for nothing. Well, just because her husband cheated on so yeah. many times and driven her crazy. I mean, not to excuse anybody's behavior in this. The the the, the teenage girl is the true victim here. But it's like, God damn. Uh, so, yeah, he wasn't great. Um, and yeah, and he, they portrayed that he is not great. Yeah. Because it, he was fucking harassing. Well, that's the thing, he though. He was but, cringy. But I think it wanted us to, to be, like... To get into the romance and, side, but it we, didn't really work. It did, for and me. it didn't work for me either. I did not. She was still way too buttoned up to be. It it did not portray. It really did. The whole romance thing fell very flat. It was almost sadly flat. I, I, it, it was really hard to to get it. It was it was very forced, but whatever. Once again, I was just trying to cram some history into us, and so we now we have Puccini. And it was an excuse for them to to go to Florence and Pisa and shoot in all these beautiful places and uh, hope they had fun. They probably did. So now we're going to move on to the next section. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. In this segment, we look at the development of Dr. Henry Jones Jr., uh, as he develops into the man he will one day become. I guess he learns that relationships are complicated. I mean, that so no it's like one's perfect. He was, he spent God knows how long telling some bikers in a bar about how he the learned time about his physics. mom, about the time his mom fucking decided to cheat on his dad. Infidelity. It's sometimes good for a marriage. Yeah, I like it is a weird story to tell was, total strangers. It, it was a weird story in general. That I think is his specific mental illness is that he can't <laughs> he can't just not vomit out all these stories as he goes along. But so yeah, so so we know that we at this point he learns some science shit. Um and he learns a little bit about the complications of relationships, but his mother pulled through mm-hmm. for him and and became once again re- and his saintly mother stayed his perfect woman for the rest of his life. I mean, other than that, we we see him um you know running up and down the stairs once again, showing that he is just the most fucking hyperactive ball of energy, but who is also tortured by having to do like this. Like having to do high school and college level like <laughs> lessons all the time from this mean old bitty. Yeah, and he's just a kid. Yeah, but like wanting you said, to do kid there's shit. just not a lot of actual Indiana Jones stuff in this episode because this wasn't an Indiana Jones episode. This was a no. Anna Jones episode, and it was weird, and I really didn't enjoy it. Granted, I haven't really enjoyed any of them. But he didn't the say the closest one, I guess, was Egypt has to be the superior episode so far, where at least the writing didn't completely suck ass. Yeah, we will have to see as we go along how some of that improves. Oh, we did okay, yeah, you we did note that uh as far as updating his character sheet, we already know he's fluent in um in Arabic and now he is getting he's and now he, he is, took Italian one oh one. He can speak some Italian now. Yep. And and there was one point at the beginning of the episode where a where a, a pretty young girl in a dress drops a handkerchief and he's like scoozy and he mm-hmm. picks it up and gives it to her, which is like a, a foreshadowing some of his like ridiculous bullshit he does later on as a dashing young hero. Well, <laughs> and you know maybe later on he you know this could have the possibility that Puccini was you know was like well you shouldn't go after married women but it's like mm. but maybe. 
not being so stiff can get you a girl or two sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and to to be fair, Indiana Jones does better at getting girls than uh, mm-hmm. some other people. He just doesn't tend to hold on to them for very long. No, well, he doesn't seem to want to. Yeah, and I think there's like so he has mommy and daddy issues that that interfere with yeah. his relationships with people. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. I, so I guess this is the first time we get to really experience how he had mommy issues. Yep. Let me say, like, that was that time my mom almost abandoned me, but then she didn't. Yep. And then she died. And then she died, abandoning me with this fucking horrible monster forever. But yeah, I, I guess that's that's basically going to be it for, for Henry this week. Yeah, it was weird. It was cringy. Didn't like it. But here we are. And now... Uh, and the cinematography, once again, was absolutely spectacular and and the music was beautiful because mm-hmm. it, it pulled in a lot of, it pulled in opera and like i said they worked in um puccini into this into the just regular score for the episode to kind of drench all that time that anna and and him were spending together in his music because she's very clearly you know in love with his music and you know at first and that's why the, the first chink in her armor he was able to worm his way well in i guess would the treasure <laughs> have been the piece of music that he autographed that would for be, her. I guess that would be a thing if Indiana ends up with his mom's sheet music that's tucked in his journal one day, or if that's one of it, that is a, it would be a nice, valuable thing to have because Puccini was the most commercially successful opera composer of all time, at least to the point of his death. Uh, and they, I think I, they said like in modern dollars, he had about $200 million worth of amassed wealth as a composer and you compare that to to like mozart a while back before who died in a fucking and dumped in a mass grave we don't know to this day exactly where he where his bones are at yeah it's sad so and this guy was a dick (laughs) i can only so my only last guess would be that from this point forward if if indiana jones like somebody starts playing puccini around him he just like breaks the phonograph for the record player punches the person singing it fuck that guy maybe i don't know old indy is weird i'll say he's singing yeah well i think that just about does it for us today uh if you made it this far thank you so much for listening we will have more of the adventures of dr henry jones for you next time and the value of series regular episodes of chainsaw history coming to you soon um, plug in my own stuff. If you are into Dungeons and Dragons, you should go check out the content I'm putting up on my newsletter called backstab.fun, uh, where I just put up random stuff. Like recently I put up rules for if your party adopts a puppy in your Dungeons and Dragons adventuring party and how you might handle that situation. And that's it. Okay. Well, we'd also like to thank our sound engineer, Kevin. We are super grateful to be hosted here at Raven Sound Studios. So we always catch you next time. Mrs. Jones. Yes? Someone seems to have sent you all the flowers in Florence. Oh, my. (laughs) Well, who could have sent them? The card. Oh, my. They are from Signor Puccini for... For all of us. How very Italian.